Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Edge Podcast. I am your host, Leslie Vickery, CEO and founder of Clear Edge Marketing. For those of you new to the Edge, we feature executive women in the recruitment industry in an effort to shine the light on the wonderful women leading our industry forward and for up and comers. If they can see it, women in executive roles and understand the day in the life of the C-suite, they can certainly envision and be it. It brings me great pleasure to welcome Kara Rogan, who was just promoted last week to CEO of Cowork Staffing. Welcome, Kara, and congratulations. Thank you very much, Leslie. I'm so happy to be here with you. Okay, I've got to brag about you for a minute here, Kara. Not only were you just promoted from COO to CEO at Coworks, you were named a top 10 staffing leader to watch. You were recognized as part of SIA's 40 Under 40, and you were just named one of SIA's Power Global 150 Women in Staffing. You, Kara, are definitely one of those people I met and wished I knew years ago in my career. There's something really special about you. Kara, you make people feel like they can tell you anything and that they've known you their entire lives. I really can't wait for people to hear your story today. So to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about co-work staffing? Well, first, thank you for saying all of that. I feel very honored to be here with you today, and I felt the same way when I met you. So this seems like a natural next step for us to have this conversation. So thank you again. I've been with Coworks for 17 years. However, the company has uh, been in business for almost 50. Uh, we're soon going to celebrate our 50th anniversary, which is very exciting. Coworks uh, Family of Brands is family and women-owned, which I'm incredibly proud of. Our ownership group is just incredible and really one of the reasons why I continue to be so invested in the company. They truly care about our employees. That is paramount for them is, is all of us, even before uh, profitability. And it's just an honor to work for all of them. And just a little bit about Coworks. We are a commercial staffing company. We have uh, the Coworks brand. We have the Access brand, which is primarily light industrial, uh, clerical and administrative. And then we also have two other brands within our family, uh, MKSG, which is an executive search division. And then we also have Luxury Method, which is, focuses on uh, retail and fragrance. And uh, those both have been growing, uh, especially over the last couple of years. So it's really exciting times for our company. Well, congratulations on the significant milestone. That is very exciting. And it's really fun to hear about all of the different brands and growth that you're experiencing. And again, from what I have gotten to know, at least in our conversations as of late and getting to know the company, really so much ahead for you, yet it's such a fantastic foundation and company. I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and the rest of the team. So Kara, this podcast is all about you. So let's start more career <laughs> in staffing. You actually started with a deco, but you've spent the past 17 years with Coworks and you rose up to the role of COO. You've always been in sales and operations. So perhaps tell us a little bit about how you got your start on the sales and op side. And then I'd love to hear because a lot of what we talk about on this podcast and just in general at speaking engagements and so forth is how we can get more women from the kind of entry-level, mid-level to the C-suite. So I'd love to hear about you going from VP to CEO. Sure. 
And I get that last question uh, all the time. So happy to answer that. It's such an important question. Before that, how I got started, I kind of stumbled into our industry, certainly wasn't seeking it out, didn't know much about it. Started with a deco out of college. I actually went to college to be a teacher, an elementary school teacher. And probably around my senior year, I decided that wasn't the right path for me. But then I had this degree and what was I going to do with it? And I didn't want to live with my parents anymore. So I needed a job. And ADECO happened to be doing, they were trying to open a bunch of new offices and they called it the strawberry patch. And they were hiring college grads with no experience into sales roles. And I just stumbled upon it. My friend worked there and uh, she referred me in and I took the job and I worked there for many years and had a wonderful experience, did really, really well in sales uh, and then branch management. And one day I was sitting at my desk and a headhunter called me and I was very happy in my role and not looking. And um, over the course of probably three or four months and a lengthy interview process with CoWorks, I decided to take the leap. And I really changed because what I saw at CoWorks was opportunity for someone like me to make an impact. The company was going through transformational change. Uh, they had just made a big acquisition changed their name, changed their branding. And so they were really just getting started into something new. And I felt like it was a really great opportunity for me to be a part of that. And I also you know, loved everybody that I met and their mission. And so I started as a director of sales and operations in a very small market. And just over the years, I would say the biggest thing that I would probably brought success was the ability to identify talent and build a team. Yes, we had sales success. Yes, we had operation success. But at that time, what really set us apart was the ability to retain top talent and foster that top talent. And many of those folks still work with me and, and with CoWorks today, and they're just exceptional. So it, it's really been a privilege to work alongside them all these years. And they've risen up too. And they're a, a great part of, of my success. Without them, I would not be where I am today. Over the years, I then was involved in many different areas of the company, different corporate initiatives, different groups, leadership groups, led different uh, corporate departments as well, maybe when we had a vacancy. I would say what led me from VP to the C-suite and in that period of time was just always raising my hand to anybody trying to rise up, as we say, and get to that next level, it's always, always, always raise your hand and try to be a part of what's happening, whether it's a project, um, a task force, a new initiative, even if you don't want to do it. And many times I probably didn't, I still did it. I wanted to always be, you know, really in the middle of that. I wanted to make decisions regarding the future of the company, the way we operated and it was, I think, what really led me to where I am today is just always doing and always being a part of what was going on around me. That is such pivotal advice to think about the current role. And I love that you mentioned, you know, when you think about joining a company and the opportunity and succession opportunities in general, it sounds like you joined CoWorks at the exact right time for you to be able to put yourself in that position to see that growth. And you mentioned talent and team and hiring the right team, just how critical that is to help in that growth period. 
And then the raising of your hand in those situations and not thinking, you know, and maybe you thought this, I don't know, but oftentimes I'll hear, I'm just too busy. I don't have time. It's like, there's Mm -hmm. never enough time or, well, it's not really part of my role. And I really need to focus on that. But at the end of the day, the more experience you can get across the board, whether that be, let's say you're not in sales, but you can shadow sales calls and consider, you know, just trying different things within a company, the better off you'll be for sure. Absolutely. Another thing is, and I always tell people this, if you're asked to join something, you're being asked likely for a reason and always, always, always say yes, just do it. (laughs) And that has served me and, and others quite well throughout the years. Oh, good. Well, I think that's great advice. And as you then grow in your career, um, we need to watch how much you, you said to me the other night and yes, night or day, whichever it was when we were communicating, how do you get everything done that you're doing? And, you know, later on, sometimes you need to learn how to say no, but as you're rising up, definitely yeah. and, and trying new things is so critical. And really it exposes you to things that you may not have even thought of as a potential for you and your own career and just the relationships you get to to build throughout the company. So networking within your company, a key message kind of coming out of this. Well, obviously you've spent a lot of time in the staffing industry, so you clearly love it having spent the better part of your career as part of it. What has kept you so engaged? I mean, obviously we talked about co-works as a company and the talent and so forth, um, but I'd be curious to hear after stumbling into it, which a lot of people do. So hopefully we become a destination industry. Um, but what kept you engaged and what excites you most about the future of staffing? Sure. And I get this question a lot as well. I think for me, what has kept me engaged all these years is that change is really the only constant in our industry. Every day is different. Some of them are not great. And there's lots of surprises along the way. In fact, I'm probably the best person at a dinner party because of the stories we have in this industry, but I just am rarely ever not challenged. And that's incredibly important to me to be constantly, you know, thinking about what we could be doing better, reacting to whatever is going on at the time. The way of work is just constantly changing and we have to change with it in order to keep up and stay relevant in our business. You know, you really have to be thinking about you know, the next thing and operating like that keeps me engaged. It's the daily challenge and interacting with people. I love that part of it. And as far as what excites me, I think COVID has taught us a lot how to operate more efficiently. And I really look forward to the continuous improvement there, especially with technology. We've come a long way, you know, we're a mid-sized staffing company, Uh, But we have made great strides in the technology space. We have a new app, which is connecting our talent to work very, very quickly. And it's really been a game changer for us. And I see our competitors doing the same. I think we need to focus on giving our talent more power over their work. And I think technology is allowing us to do that. And it should allow for more flexibility in the workforce as well. And I truly believe that's what people are looking for. And that's the way in which our industry is going. It's really fascinating when you think of the strides we've made as an industry around technology, just looking at just a few years ago, 
I track quite closely the um, Talent Tech Labs ecosystem that they create and mm -hmm. just the amount that it has grown as far as the tools and technologies to support the industry. But to your point, something really specific and relevant, there's obviously technologies for efficiencies and how you recruit and how you sell and how you operate your company. But when you think of talent being the most important aspect of your company, both internally and the consultants you, you work with in place, giving them that flexibility and let, allowing them to use technology the same way that they use kind of in their personal lives at consumer mm -hmm. side and bringing that to the business, that excites me too, the technology kind of innovation and seeing staffing catch up with that is really great. We have a little ways to go, but it's nothing but opportunity. And it again is just a, a way for us to combine the talent and technology to further help our own industry's brand and attract more people to the industry too. Absolutely. I've seen a big shift even in our own organization and the way in which we view our talent. They are our most important customer and how they prefer to be engaged with is really the way we should be thinking and what is important to them. And the shift to making sure that they are put in an environment where they feel value and treated very, very well is paramount. All right, Kara, I want to shift gears here for a minute and talk about how we met. So it was a little serendipitous when you mentioned coming on the podcast and us kind of feeling like we each knew each other for a lifetime. You attended SIA's executive forum last year and heard our keynote presentation around the book Together We Rise, of which I'm one of 15 authors featuring executive women in the staffing industry. We connected maybe a week or so after the event and immediately realized our stories were very aligned, like I said before. And I just feel like I keep saying this, but it felt like we had known each other forever. And a piece of that, I do believe, is because we could see in each other what we have struggled with over the years. And we'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. You then invited the authors of the book to speak to your company. It was such an honor. And then on top of that, CoWorks donated to ASA's scholarship fund to support sending even more women to thrive. So in other words, you gave to your team by inviting us, which also gave to us because it's such a pleasure to tell our stories and know that we're making an impact. And then to the other women looking to rise up. So I definitely see a theme in your leadership style. You're a very generous person and leader. That said, from our first conversation to our last, even preparing for this podcast, something that stood out to me was a phrase you used. And those words were bone deep self-confidence. And the struggles even you as a CEO of a fast-growing staffing company have to deal with finding that confidence from time to time. And again, that was part of our connection because, as you know, and that's something that I have struggled with over the years and still do to this day. So while we've talked a lot about confidence on this podcast, because it's typically one of the, I would say, most talked about topics when it comes to women in leadership, I've actually never heard someone associate it with the words bone deep. So I would love for you, Kara, to tell me what that means to you. Well, the phrase bone deep self-confidence, uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. And uh, I think we'll get into it a little bit later, but I got that from my executive coach, Barbara. And so I can't take credit for that one, but she has been working with me for a couple of years and she often said that to me. And similar to how we connected, Leslie, she recognized that in me. Um, and it was something that I needed to continue to work on. 
And what it means to me isn't necessarily about my self-worth. It's more about the way in which we make decisions in business, the way in which we internalize how people react to those decisions, or it could just be someone working on a project or, you know, any strategy discussions, you know, do it with confidence and you're there for a reason. And I have to remind myself, especially when it comes to making difficult decisions, are we doing the right thing? Do you have confidence in that? And if so, then you're okay. I have struggled with confidence in business for sure over the years. And I think another thing that helped me with bone deep self-confidence is understanding that you don't have to be an expert in everything. Where I've probably struggled the most is in parts of the business where it's not necessarily my strength. So I'm very good with sales and very good with driving efficiency and operations. And that's why I'm in the role I'm in, but I'm not the CFO. I don't work in finance. And so those are areas that, you know, I'm continuously learning and I'm working with our partners, but it took a while and it should have just been obvious. You don't have to be an expert in everything. That's why you surround yourself with very smart people. So that was really a game changer for me in the area of confidence. Well, that makes a lot of sense. It's a little bit of a struggle for sure when you feel like you don't know something and you're having conversations with people or trying to impact the company in those areas. But that was a really great piece of advice I received as well, being a CEO and not really having a lot of that experience when I started 16 years ago is just surround yourself with people who do have that experience and can help you. And that that doesn't mean you're less than, that actually means you're greater than because you're surrounding yourself with such great talent who you can you know learn and grow from as well in your career. So that's really great advice. I love that. On the topic of confidence, Kara, something else that we talk about a lot is the fact that you or I or a lot of people don't always use their voice. And You mentioned to me over the course of our conversations that sometimes you perhaps let people treat you in a way that you would never let them treat others. And I have heard this before with other executives. And part of that is that we often put other people first. And part of that is we don't always use our voice for ourselves, but we certainly would use it for other people. So at what point did you say, enough is enough. And you found your voice, you became confident, and really became your own best champion. Walk us through your story and kind of what you tell yourself then as you were going through that, that you know, now having come out on the other end of that. Sure. Well, really, when I first started uh, with CoWorks and There was no one particular incident to speak of. And I think we've all been through elements of that in our career. And it was also a different time, you know, almost 20 years ago. And I'm a totally different person and leader today than I was then. And and some of those circumstances, I think, while my 43-year-old self would like to tell my, you know, 17-year-ago self to stand up and to speak up and to be more confident, I think I've learned a lot from that and it's created a different leadership style today. But with that being said, it really, most of it was surrounding, you know, being a female and being at the table. I'll never forget, I'll tell one story and it was quite a bit of years ago and I had been promoted many times by this time, but we had a 
a large customer, a very important customer, a highly profitable customer that really wasn't getting the level of service that they should. It became under my area of responsibility and quickly I developed, you know, a strategy for fixing that as well as developing a relationship with uh, the key decision makers within that organization. And I remember being on a conference call and I don't know if it was our CEO at the time or my boss um, was giving me a compliment. We were very close to losing that account. And so that had changed and the customer was very happy. And someone on the other end of the phone said, well, that's because he thinks you're pretty. And <laughs> it took me back. Yeah. And I didn't say anything. In fact, I, Leslie, I never said anything about that. I think that I hope that there was dead silence on the phone and I actually laughed it off just to get it, you know, the awkwardness of it to be over. I knew it wasn't right, but I never addressed it. I never addressed it with my leaders and they never addressed it with me and I never addressed it with that person. And today that would most definitely not be the case. And I don't know why that is. I think to your point of what you just said, I was looking to just you know, move forward and not create waves. I knew I was doing well. I knew that wasn't true. I knew it was unacceptable, but I just wanted to move forward. And the more success that we've had over the years, myself and, and other leaders, I've learned that that's not how we can be. And I actually think that's why I'm in the role that I'm in. We were setting the tone over all these years. And, and so back in the day, my area of responsibility, we called it the East and we really were setting the tone for the organization and the way in which we operated, operational excellence, the way in which we service our customers and our field talent. We were creating new processes. So many things were going very, very well. And it was, you know, our CEO was comparing us to other areas of the business. And I was relentless in my pursuit of integrity and uh, service excellence. And I think those experiences helped me get to that and to never waver in the way in which I was going to conduct myself and how I expected my team to conduct themselves. And I really think that's a big part of the reason why I am where I am today. So in one sense, those things were not great, but they've also helped me become a better leader. Oh my goodness. I, one, wish that I would would have been in the room with you at that <laughs> When they said something, because again, this is where, and it's not just the two of us, like we feel like we're so well connected because we've been through so many similar situations in our past. And the thing is, we're not alone. And sadly, these things continue to happen today where people will make a comment. And I, I do try to believe at least that in a lot of cases, they don't really understand the impact of what they're saying and how it may make someone feel and what it's taking off the table with all of that phenomenal work where it's like, you've built yourself up, built yourself up. Someone can say one thing and it just kind of knocks you right back down. And then mm -hmm. you feel like you have to, gosh, I've got to prove myself again. This didn't happen because I'm pretty, this happened because of X, Y, and Z. And it's a really great example, Kara, when we think about how do you then pay it forward and encourage others to find their voice? One, it's when something like that happens and we're in the room and we see it, that we say something and not mm -hmm. to be offensive necessarily to the person, but there's a way that you can say something in a way that is not threatening and is very educational in the way that it's said and or find a time 
outside of the situation to approach someone to say, you know, I'm sure you didn't mean to make me feel that way, but when you said X, it made me feel Y and use it as kind of a learning or growing opportunity with that person as well. Oh my goodness. Looking back on it, how would you handle it differently? I definitely would have spoken up in the moment. And I think that I would have spoken to that individual separately. Definitely. I'd like to think that they really didn't know better at the time and thought they were being funny. And so that's how I sort of got through that and move forward. But I most certainly would have addressed it head on. And I hope that anyone within our organization would do the same. And, and just like you said, it's it's really about see something, say something, hear, you know, witness something and, and please raise your hand and speak up. So all of our listeners listening, definitely use your voice on behalf of others and use your voice on behalf of yourself. It isn't always easy, but sometimes we have to be uncomfortable in those uncomfortable situations to help move the needle forward. So Kara, one of the things that you have done is invested, and you mentioned this earlier, in an executive coach who you work very closely with. Why do you believe all executives should have a coach? And what would you say having a coach helped you with specifically? Well, right when I became COO, our CEO, uh, Tim Hartnett, approached me and said, hey, I think it would be a good idea for you to work with an executive coach. And I had really not given that a lot of thought. And I said, sure, of course, that would be great. I didn't know exactly what it would entail or how much we would work together. He really didn't get involved other than connecting me with her. And the rest is really history. We've worked together for almost two years, more frequently in the first year. And why I think it's been such a game changer for me is, first of all, it was a brand new position and she's completely unbiased. She doesn't know people within our organization. She doesn't work for me. I don't work for her. She really is able to look at things very, very clearly and she's very direct in her communication with me. She doesn't hold back. And it's just been a wonderful thing for me to have, uh, especially over the last two years as we continue to grow and, and make real transformational changes within the business to have her as a sounding board and to have her tell me what she really thinks. And maybe I don't even want to hear it sometimes, but she does not hold back has really been a game changer for me because you've heard it before, but it can be very lonely. The higher up you get within an organization, the less people you can really connect with, the less conversations you can have. And so for me, it's really helped me make some key decisions. And I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to do so. It is very important that you connect with that person. So we just happen to have a very good connection and it was a perfect match for me, but that's a key part of having the right executive coach for you. Yeah, I agree completely. I know for myself, just going through the interviewing process of finding an executive coach and really then realizing and being true to myself with what are the things that I know I need to work on and strengthen on behalf of myself as a leader and the company and the team. And will that person push me enough to get there and think differently sometimes than I do just to bring that different perspective. But it can be challenging sometimes because you are really kind of pushing yourself to do these things. But ultimately, that's part of the reason behind doing it. And I have to say, like you, a lot of the executives I talk to who have had it and have had a good coach feel like they don't know how they got through without it, that it's definitely a must-have investment-wise. 
she's my business coach. She's my life coach. She's a bit of a therapist. <laughs> so she checks all the boxes for me. It's really been wonderful. Oh, I'm so happy to hear. Okay. If you could narrow it down to one thing, so whether from your coach who has made such a profound impact for you or a mentor, what is the best single piece of advice you've ever received? I would actually say this came not necessarily from someone in business, but uh, my father. And I was probably in high school, if I'm remembering this correctly. And I forget exactly what I was talking to him about, but I wanted to do something. And he said, you know, Kara, in life and in the future, if you want something, go get it yourself. And it just has stuck with me all these years. It sounds very simple, but I really truly believe that, you know, worry about yourself. And if you like a vision board, right? If you can see something for yourself, make it happen and do all the things, work hard. So that's really been instrumental for me in my life all these years. That's phenomenal. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people wait for someone else to do things for them mm -hmm. or feel like people should just see that I'm doing this. So of course I should get that promotion or yes, I should get that increase or I should have that opportunity to be on you know, X, Y, Z committee. But at the end of the day, it really does come down to yourself. And like we talked about earlier, being your own best champion, if there's something you want, sometimes the only person holding you back is the one looking at you in the mirror. Absolutely. So you and I have talked a bit about the impact we can have on our children and how it's easy to fall into the perfection trap at a young age. How do you balance the importance of being a high performer without being a perfectionist? And then I'd love to hear this just as I'm raising Grayson, our little six-year-old boy. What messages do you share with your kids on that front? Oh, this is a hard one. Um, and I'm certainly still learning as we go. And I have two children. My daughter, Lena, is 12 and my son, Joseph, is nine. And what I've learned works the best, and it's through actually making many mistakes, is for my kids specifically, not to push them where they are already very hard on themselves. My daughter is in middle school. She's in seventh grade, and middle school is so tough, just that age. And she's very, very hard on herself with her grades. And it's not coming from me. I really steer clear in that area. She puts enough pressure on herself. And all we do is really try to build her up and give her positive feedback that she's doing really well. And my son is a little athlete and he plays a lot of sports and he is so hard on himself. In fact, last night we had baseball and he had a great game and he was, you know, pouting all the way to the car and I couldn't figure out why. But same thing for him, just not to push him where he's already really pushing himself. They have to try hard. That's really an area that we do focus on with them is if you tried, did you try your best? Then that's enough for us. So that's been working well for us recently, <laughs> but I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it with the kids. It's a very valid point. I would say, you know, it's putting in the work to get the success that you're looking to have. And I was recently listening to um, Casey Jaycox. I don't know if you know Casey from our industry. He used to be a top sales performer at K4, started his own consulting company, and he launched a book and he has a podcast called The Quarterback Dadcast. And he had Ryan Murphy on who is from Bullhorn. And 
he was talking about the conversations he has with his kids. And one is oftentimes if you are pushing your kid to do something because you love it and the passion you have, or the opposite, if you don't have the passion, they can sense from you whether or not you're into it as well. So he had this great piece of advice about asking the kids about, you know, what are your goals for the season? And really, you know, getting under the covers of, you know, well, how are you going to make that happen? What will happen if you don't hit the goal? What can we do to support you? But then also asking yourself as a parent, what can you do on behalf of your kids as they're trying to achieve those goals? And I've tried it a little bit with Grayson. He's playing soccer and oh my gosh, every time he, what's your goal? Well, let's talk about this. Let's have a game plan. And what I realized is he's just not passionate about it. So he's not going to have that. But to your point, I'm not going to push him on that because it's just not something that he's really into, but giving that, you know, kids the opportunity to figure out what that is without pushing them and then getting them into that perfection trap can be a struggle. And we know if you've read How Women Rise, the book, that one of the things that keeps women back from succeeding is a perfection trap that, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. We always say, if you're not learning, you're not growing. It's, you don't have to be perfect, but it's something that gets instilled in a really young age, which is why I wanted to selfishly ask you that question because I am learning through other parents how to handle that with my own son. So thank you. Yes, it's definitely I, something I do not consider myself an expert in, but as they get older, we are getting better. And I see it so much in my daughter as well. She's, as I said, she's in seventh grade and it's such a pivotal age for their confidence. She's been struggling in that area. So I've really been trying to work with her on how to use her voice at such a young age. I'm not sure that I was doing that at her age, but just to speak up for herself. And she, is amazing. She advocates for herself in school. And like, I don't know where you're getting that from, hopefully from us, but she teaches me something on how to advocate for yourself every single day. It's something to see. I would probably argue that she's picking that up by her <laughs> and uh, learning a lot from you, which is a blessing. You know, we can take the life lessons we've had and try our best to instill them and teach them in our kids. But as we've learned, you know, confidence is bone deep. So it's something that we all have to work on and, and see, you know, just the changes that we can make in ourselves and then teach our kids the best that we can. And that's all we can do. So Kara, there's so much more focus today on health and wellness than ever, partially because of the pandemic, working from home, a lot more attention on mental health and wellness. Yet as women, we often put ourselves last. So when it comes to finding a healthy stride in your own life, what areas do you focus on the most? And how have you, as the CEO of your company, kind of taken that personal stance for yourself and implemented it as a company to ensure others really take your lead? Sure. This is something that comes for me above all else in my life is my own health and to me, it's more important than work and it's more important than family because if I don't, and I say this all the time, so there's people at work that could recite this, there's nothing more important than your health because if you don't have that, you really can't do anything else and you can't be there for others and it's just so simple, but so hard at the same time. Both of my parents passed away from cancer somewhat suddenly at different stages in my life. Uh, my mother I was 25, so it was a, a long time ago. My father passed uh, during the pandemic. 
And it was sudden in both cases. And I would say that both of my parents were stubborn in their approach to seeing seeing doctors if they weren't feeling well. And I am absolutely the polar opposite of that. I am very diligent with my health and exercise and eating well, although I am not perfect there either, it has become so critically important to my day. It has been a game changer to the way in which I even, you know, am able to function in business is starting my day with exercise. And with that, we've really as a company specifically since COVID, and I'm really proud of what we're doing. And there's a lot more room here in the wellness area, but we've had a big wellness initiative over probably the last 18 months. Our HR department is leading this and I'm working with them on it. It's just simple things. They're they're doing a lot of you know, push for more exercise, step challenges, healthy eating, really educating people on our benefit programs. Cause I think, you know, a lot of organizations have these wonderful benefit programs and people don't even know what's available to them. Education around the difference uh, within, you know, food choices. We even put together uh, last year something called the fun committee because above all else, mental health is so important as well. And so we really wanted people after such a hard 2020 to be able to have some fun at work. And we've had a lot of events focusing on just, you know, getting away from your desk for a little bit, engaging with your coworkers. Those are the things that have really made an impact, I think, on our employees. And we have a long way to go, I think, in that area, but we're really trying to make strides there. Well, it sounds like you're doing a lot. And a big piece of it is just recognizing, I think personally, it's something that's also really important to me. And I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss, your mom at such a young age for you and your dad. And we don't always think about growing up what our DNA tells us. And we just kind of eat whatever, drink whatever, do whatever in a lot of cases. And that's partially because even for me growing up, maybe what we saw in our parents even. And it took, my mom was 48 when she had her first heart attack. And she also has diabetes. And so our family, it's mostly heart diabetes, you know, blood pressure, things of that nature. And I never thought about that growing up, even in my you know, early to mid twenties until I started seeing my parents' health start to fail and mostly my mom with the struggles she has. So part of me as a leader, I maybe take it a little too far. People on our team will attest. I'm, I may be mountain biking and calling you or running and calling you. I'm often out hiking with our dog and calling people, um, but I try to fit it in as much as I possibly can and do that to lead by example, because I know how important it is. It's physically, I have to, like for my own health, my mental health and my physical health, I have to. And I want others on our team to know that they have permission to do the same thing, just to think of that in a more healthy way. But to be at a company like CoWorks with all the programs you mentioned and to support your company so much, that's truly incredible. And it does stem from, you know, you all realizing as leaders, hey, we want to live long, healthy lives and we want to be healthy at work too. So, you know, how can we kind of combine the two together? So it's great. You're doing a lot. Believe me, it sounds incredible. All right. So before Kara, we jump into rapid fire questions as we look at the state of diversity in the staffing industry. What gives you hope for a future that's more diverse? Oh, just the fact that we're even having 
this discussion gives me hope. And for us at CoWorks, I realized a little into last year, we really weren't putting enough focus on this and we needed to do better. And we still have room there, but we are really focusing on D&I and I have joined your group, which I'm very privileged to be a part of and learning from those leaders within that group has been instrumental. We've taken a lot of their suggestions within our, you know, to our own organization and how we interact with our employees. And I'm seeing that, I'm sure you are as well. I'm really seeing that at a lot of other organizations. And it's so nice to see companies focusing on this. Uh, we have a very diverse workforce at Coworks, but does everyone feel like they belong? Does everyone feel included? And that is just so important. And the more that we talk about that and the more that we focus on that and educate ourselves, you know, we're going to get there. And so we're, we're, we're working on that every day. I look back to even when you and I were kind of growing up in the industry and there were not these conversations happening. Sadly, it was more the opposite, us being in the situations we were in and no one saying anything or switching jobs because it was so uncomfortable to where we are today, where there are conversations, there are companies taking action. It really gives me hope as well that we can have some of the conversations that are a little uncomfortable, but much, much needed. And we're even working on it. I mean, we have a lot of ways to go for our own company, but the big piece of it is just being open-minded and having those conversations and really listening and just educating ourselves ongoing. So I agree. I see a lot of hope. A lot of change still needs to happen, but as long as yes. these conversations take place and people are actioning and taking change, then that is, that is great. Kara, we're almost out of time. So that flew by. Uh, that being said, I do have a handful of rapid fire questions if you have a couple more minutes. Sure. Okay, very good. All right, you may have answered this early on. I picked up on something, but maybe not. So if okay, I have to ask Kara, if you weren't the CEO of a staffing company, what would you be doing? <laughs> I would very likely probably be running some kind of event planning company. I love to entertain and I love to plan a party. I love to be at a party. I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. So I do a lot of that for the company over the years. And in my personal life, I'm kind of the go-to girl for uh, planning events. So I would definitely uh, love to do that. Okay, so that's a surprise. I don't know why I was thinking maybe a teacher. So it's um, definitely something that is good to know about you and may need to uh, lean on your expertise there. So Kara, what is one app you can't live without? That would definitely be Starbucks. Ah, I love the Starbucks app too. <laughs> Mine is Instacart. <laughs> My husband used to That's a good one. Chicago if I've ever been in a grocery store. Thankfully, even in Breckenridge, they have Instacart. Thank God. All right. What is one thing people would be surprised to find out about you? Those that know me really well wouldn't be surprised, but most, but some would. I am really an introvert and you know, this kind of thing, doing this podcast with you, although I'm so happy to do it and honored, it's wildly uncomfortable for me. Uh, I don't like speaking in front of people at all. I, I've gotten more comfortable, of course, over the years, but I have a long way to go there. It's always a struggle to be in front of people and speaking. And uh, it's something I continue to work on. So, and from a confidence perspective, that's part of that as well. As I struggle sometimes with confidence, it rolls over into those things. 
Well, I will say you've been a pro today and you know me, I love to push people a little bit outside of their comfort zone to rise and get their voices and stories out there for others to hear. So thank you for pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone today, because I know so many people will value what they're hearing and learning from you. Speaking of that, what do you listen to? Any podcasts? Are you watching? It could be binge watching something personally or learning from at the moment. Ah, good ones. I am currently actually not listening to any podcasts. I recently took a little bit of a break just due to overload. I was uh, listening to too many, I think. Uh, I love podcasts. I'm sure I'll get back into it soon. I just finished watching the last season of Dead to Me. If you're a Dead to Me fan, I'm sad it's done, but it was so good. Uh, that's on Netflix. And then who am I learning from? That's a good question. Uh, the first person that really comes to mind for me um, is Kristen Hadid. Uh, you can find her on LinkedIn. She, we became uh, familiar with her through Simon Sinek's team. So we had been working with, with his team for some training and development, and they recommended Kristen to come to our annual meeting last year. And she exceeded all of our expectations. And we've actually engaged with her um, for, for more training for our company through, throughout this year and into next, into 2023. And I just really can't say enough uh, about what she's been able to do for us from a leadership perspective. She's really excellent. Uh, and if anybody wants um, an introduction to her, I'd, I'd be happy to facilitate that. Just happy to give her a shout out. You have such like a calm, engaging, learning stance about yourself. I love um, having these conversations with you. I definitely take something away every single time, Kara. And thank you so much for sharing your story and such great advice. Something that stands out to me, speaking of the lady leaders, I was on a podcast earlier in the week with Joni Biley, and she's adamant about goal setting being very important uh, in all things life. And she talks about your wants to go for it, your desires, and what you deserve. And not to let confidence or anything get in our way of our wants, desires, and what we deserve. And really, when I think of a theme coming out of this, when you talked about the tools and technologies used, your struggles with confidence, your focus on health and wellness and everything, it really boils down for me to when you want something, you have through your career now gotten to a point where you know you want it and you deserve it and you go for it. So thank you for sharing that message with our listeners. You've given us a lot to think about, myself included. If someone listening to the podcast would like to connect with you, what is your preferred method of outreach? Sure. I spend a great deal of time on LinkedIn and I'm pretty active on there almost every day. So that would probably be the best way to connect with me. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again, Kara. And I look forward to seeing you soon in Vegas. Yes. Thank you so much. 